0: <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. I got a couple of scriptures I want to start with this morning. The title of the message is enough faith to fight. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. It says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now turn to Hebrews 11, verse 32 and 34. 32 through 34. Have you all ever read Hebrews 11? That's called the faith chapter. If you want to understand faith a little better, read Hebrews 11. It gives you plenty of examples. And we're going to pick up in verse 32, which is nearing the end of the chapter. And he's already given several examples. And in verse 32, he says, "...and what, more, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith, listen, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. All of that done through faith. Don't it make your life seem kind of petty? When you start looking at these examples, and I want to challenge y'all to go back and read the first part of Hebrews 11. It'll kind of be a little bit of a reality check to you. When you stop and examine what all these people went through, and it was faith that got them through it, and then you look at the little things that you have to deal with. So today I want to talk to you about enough faith to fight. How much faith is necessary? Does anybody have an, a- an answer? How much faith is necessary? Okay, that's, that's one answer. But I want to be a little more general. You know how much is necessary? Just enough. Right? That, that seems simplistic, doesn't it? But let's think about this for a minute. Because, see, I don't need all the faith in the world. I need just enough faith for what I'm about to go through. I need just enough to believe God for whatever circumstances I find myself in. That's all I need. I don't need to worry about do I have this mass abundance of faith. I just need just enough. Right? Right? That's why God said all it takes is faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. It just takes a little bit. It just takes enough that you can set aside your own faults and inadequacies and lack and say, you know what, it's not me anyway, it's God. So I'm going to believe God. That's all you have to do. It just takes just enough. So what does that have to do with the fight? Well... We're fixing to go into a fight. This isn't a fight for ourselves. You know, we spend a lot of time fighting for ourselves and our family. And you should. You should pray and fight for your families. You should spend time on your knees and and seeking God and and praying and asking God for help. That's That's what He wants you to do. But this fight I'm talking about is for other people. People that would probably just as soon spit in your face. People that don't know God, that are living in darkness. That's who we're going to fight for. I hope you're all on board with that. You see, they need somebody to fight for them. So we need just enough faith to fight. And I want to give you an example of this today. Second Samuel I've got another scripture too. I hope I'm not bouncing you all around too bad, but 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> How many of y'all have ever heard of the guy called Shammah? He's one of David's mighty men of valor. There's three of them that are mentioned in, in this particular chapter of Samuel. And it, it, it tells of the amazing things they did. Shama to me has a has a particular point of interest here. I'm not trying to decrease in it by any way what the other guys did, but I want y'all to look at Shama right now. Second Samuel 23, verses 11 and 12. And after him was Shama, the son of Agi Ag- 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 the Harite, Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. Where was a piece of ground full of lentils? You all know what lentils are? Beans. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Now, let me give you a little background on what's going on here. The Israelites and Philistines are just constantly going at it. And at this point, pretty much what had been happening up to this point in Shama's life is that every time the Philistines would show up, the Israelites would tuck tail and run. So, here you have an instance where this is the Israelites' land. This belongs to them. They've already planted these lentils and, and... It's time to harvest them, and here come the Philistines. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have somebody else do all the work, and you just show up and reap the rewards, right? So these Israelites were sent to this area to defend, right? And here come the Philistines, and what do the Israelites do? They all turn and run the other way, except for one. And what did Shama do? He said, You know what? I was told to guard this bean patch. And you may say, Man, that bean patch ain't worth much, right? Is this really worth losing your life over? No, that's, that's why the other Israelites ran, right? No, I ain't losing my life over a bean patch. But see, there was something greater there that Shama saw. Shama saw something greater than just a bean patch. He saw principle, he saw worth where nobody else did. And I want you to understand that there comes a point when Christians need to stop running and they need to turn around and say, you know what, today I'm going to take a stand. Today I'm going to begin to fight just because it's the right thing to do. Not because what I see around me is of great value, but because I know this is where God has put me, this is where I've been assigned, this is my duty station, and I'm going to stay here because God put me here and I'm going to fight for. It doesn't matter what it looks like, it has value because God assigned you to that location. And what did Shama do? He stood his ground and, in the middle of that bean patch, killed all of the Philistines that were coming against him. One man. Now, you would say, Well, man, he must have had skills. And, you know he probably did. they called him a mighty man of valor. he knew how to fight but I'm here to tell you today I don't care how good you are. when you got all kinds of soldiers coming at you, God better be on your side. Obviously God was on his side. The last part of that verse says that the Lord wrought a great victory that day. not shama, God did. Y'all, we're fixing a fight. And you look around and and you see something that doesn't really seem like that great of worth. And I'm going to be just just as blatantly honest with you as I can today. If it weren't for God changing my heart, I would look at those people and say, you know what, it's not worth my time. And that's that's not a good situation, is it? That's not a good attitude to have. And I know that. And I pray and ask God, God, change my heart. Give me compassion for Him because I know that's how I should feel. And you know what He does? He begins to work in you and all of a sudden you begin to see worth where nobody else does. You begin to see value in something that looks like it's worthless. You know why? Because that's where God assigned me. That's where He placed me. And He placed you there too. He put you there and He says, alright, you need to defend it. You need to get ready to fight. This is where the battle is going to take place. Do you think it was by chance that David put them in this bean patch? No. David knew where, he was, where the enemy was coming at. There may have been other places, but he knew they're coming in through this bean patch. You know, I don't know if they were coming to eat the beans. I don't know what their goal was. But the point is, David knew where they were coming in. David knew where they needed to fight and defend. Just like God put us here. And you may be sitting there saying, you know what, it wasn't God that put me here. I got up one morning and just decided to come to this church. Well, I'm here to tell you today, You can have that opinion if you want to, but God orders your steps. God puts you where you need to be. And if you don't want to stand up and take responsibility, you can be like those Israelites and turn and run the other way. Or you can get a little bit of intestinal fortitude and say, I'm going to take a stand for God because He put me here. This place is in my charge. You know what happens to soldiers if they retreat? You know what happens to soldiers if they leave their duty station and, and just hand it over to the enemy? They can face serious charges. They can be put in prison. I'm not trying to scare y'all. We need to get the spirit of shama in us. We need to rise up with a victorious shout and say, not anymore, Satan. This is my place. This is the kingdom of God. This is, this is claim for the kingdom of God. You, you don't have a place here. This boundary right here, this is where you don't cross, okay? That's what we need to tell Satan. When he comes in like a flood, like the Word says he will, the Holy Spirit will raise up a standard against him. Do you want to be that standard? Do you want to be the one that stands up and says, you know what, I'm tired of Him taking my beans. I'm tired of Him stealing my crops. I'm tired of Him taking people that I know and care about and love and just using and abusing them. And I'm gonna fight for them. See, that's the kind of attitude we need to get, people. We don't, we need to quit being these, these kind of Christians that just lay down and take everything the enemy wants to dish out at us. We need to get a little bit of boldness and remember who we are in Jesus Christ. We have an entitlement as an heir to the throne. We also have a responsibility as His children to take a stand for what is His. You know, the things that Satan takes are not because they belong to him. He takes them because he can. His entitlement was lost when Jesus died on the cross. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Do you understand that? You see, Adam and Eve handed it to Him. They said, here, take it. He had an entitlement to us. Do you understand that? given to Him by Adam and Eve. But Jesus took it back. He said, this wasn't meant to be yours to start with. And I just paid for it. It's mine. So you know what? He doesn't have a right to any of these people. He doesn't have a right to them in any way. He takes them because He can. Because there's no resistance. Because people just have been beat up so long, they just say, okay, whatever. I don't even care anymore. I don't want to fight no more. What would you do if you were in the midst of a battle, surrounded on every side, your whole troop had been knocked out and it wasn't just one or two of you left. And you felt like giving up. You felt like just saying fine, just just come get us, waving the white flag. And then all of a sudden, the special forces swoop in with their Black Hawk helicopters and come sliding down the ropes with machine guns blazing and just take out every bit of the enemy. How would you feel? You feel relieved, right? You say, oh, thank you for coming and saving me. I'm so glad that somebody wasn't afraid to come and fight. Because we were in dire need. In fact, at any moment we could have died. Because the time was drawing closer. What, just a handful of us left. And the enemy was great. Thank you for fighting for me. You know what happens a lot of times in the military is they'll say it's too late. There's just a couple of them left. It's not worth the loss of life. Isn't that sad? You don't see that in the movies, do you? Let's don't be like that. What do we have to lose? Think about that. Think, really, seriously, what do we have to lose? Are you fearful for your life when you're fighting Satan? I don't hear a whole lot of no's. Are you fearful for losing your worldly possessions when you're fighting Satan? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid you're going to be embarrassed because somebody might ask you a question? How is that going to hurt you when the day is done? When you wake up the next day, how is that going to affect you? It's not. Bottom line is, you are still a child of the King. The bottom line is, when the day is done, when you leave this life, you know where you're going. You know the only thing that's going to hurt you? Is not being able to do what you should have done. Not doing what you were sent here to be done. The purpose with which you were here has not been accomplished. That's what's going to be sad. That's what's going to hurt. Is that you could have done something and you didn't. Imagine if you were in that same battle situation, but you were the only one that was going to hell. It would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? Most of us would say, I ain't going in there by myself. But what if you had some superior technology? I don't want to get all Star Trek on y'all, but what if you had a force field? And you knew that if anybody shot at you, bullets were just going to fall on the ground. There was no possible way they could hurt you. How many of you here today would go in and help those people? If you knew there's no way you could get hurt. Absolutely. Why would you not? There's nothing to fear, right? I'm here to tell you today, there is nothing to fear. Satan is already defeated. Do you understand that? See, it's hard to comprehend in our timeline, our linear timeline that we think of. But I'm here to tell you that Satan is defeated. He was defeated when Jesus rose from the dead. The Word tells us that He took the keys to death and hell. That shows His authority. That shows His power, His right to those things. They're His. Satan can't hurt you. He's not going to tell you that. He's not going to want you to believe that. And I'm not trying to tell you you won't have trials and tribulations, but this life is but a vapor. It doesn't even compare to the glory that is over there. So what are we afraid of? He can't hurt me. I'm covered by the blood. If I was to walk up to a door and they come out and shot me in the face... Death has lost its sting, y'all. Y'all understand that? See, you've got to understand that. You've got to understand death has lost its sting. He has no hold on me. If that were to happen, that's just God's will, and it's my time, and I'm in glory. Praise God. Romans chapter 8 and 35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Remember, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of losing? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And what what does Paul say? Nay. No. Everything I just said, forget about it. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. What does that mean, more than conquerors? We're not just going to conquer something. We're there to defend it. We're there to claim what is already rightfully God's. We don't have to be a conqueror when it already belongs to Him, right? We don't have to go and conquer anything. But we do need to take a stand and say, No, this is my Father's. This does not belong to you. You need to leave. The Word says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. You know why? Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's who I serve. I don't serve some weak, feeble God. I don't serve somebody that's old and decrepit. I serve the God of all creation. And it's him that sent me, it's him that put me in that bean patch and said, okay, defend it. You see, it's not up to me to determine the worth of those beans. That's not my purpose. I'm not some kind of appraiser. That's not my job to go around appraising the beans, determining their value. But that's what we try to do. We say, well, that one's too far gone. I don't think there's any way I could do anything to help them. Yeah, I could do something, but... Look at what kind of support we're going to need for them afterwards. Hmm? You think I hadn't thought that? Let's face it, y'all. <clears throat> if you bring a drug, drug head to church and he decides to stay, he's going to need help. You think Satan don't try to use that stuff against me? He does. That Scripture said we're, it's written that we're killed all the day long like sheep led to the slaughter. And then he says, no, that ain't the case. See, that's back. if you go back and look, that's from back in Psalms. Somebody was just kind of tore down. And that's how they felt. But if you go on and read, you see that's not the case. God is right there with us. We're not being killed all the day long. We're not like helpless lambs being led to the slaughter. No, we're victorious. We're more than conquerors. Because God is who is in us. God is who is empowering us. It is God's purpose that we're here. We're about His business. Do you think He's going to put us out there and just say, okay, handle it. No! We're going to be equipped. We're going to, be, we're going to have the resources we need. We're not going to be on the front lines with no assistance. God is going to be right there with us. Empowering us. Breaking down walls ahead of us. Making a way where there is no way. He's the one that's going to lead the fight. That's why it says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a banner against him, a standard. He's leading the way, carrying that flag. We just got to follow him. You see, he assigns us to a duty station. And we need to defend it. It's, it's time to fight. The enemy's all around us, y'all. The enemy is all around us. And you know, in natural circumstances, that's usually a point of fear to know that you're surrounded. But this ain't the natural, praise God. Our weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Y'all, there's a stronghold in Canard. There is a principality. And it's coming down. It's coming down. You can mark my words. And those aren't the words of Kevin Alfred. Those are the words of the Most High God. He sent us to do a job and it'll be done. It'll be done. Keep that in mind. We're defenders. People need defending. Did y'all ever have to take up for somebody in school? You know, I I broke a finger one time defending a girl. She was one of my best friends' sister. And this guy was picking on her, and I kind of bowed up and said, yeah, I'm going to stand up for her. Ended up breaking my finger over it because I didn't have enough sense to know not to punch somebody in the stomach when they're wearing a big belt buckle when it's under their <laughs> shirt. People need defending. They need somebody that's stronger than they are, somebody that's bolder than they are, somebody that's got enough guts to just stand up and say, no, this ain't going to happen. I'm not going to put up with that. You leave them alone. I want y'all to go home this week and start praying for somebody. Even if you don't know somebody in Canard. I know Brother Terry's wife, Judy, she probably don't know anybody in Canard. But I guarantee you she can be led by God. Y'all pray for somebody this week. Pray that God will begin to intervene in their life. I'm going to tell y'all something. When you start praying, Satan is going to redirect his attack. Start praying. Pick somebody out you know or just just say, God, I, I want to pray for somebody, I don't know who they are, but you do. And begin to go to war for that person. Begin to defend them with everything you have. Pray fervently. The Word says that the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You don't think that's important? It carries a lot of weight with God when you go to Him and say, I don't even know the person, but I want to fight for them, God. I want to be on their side. You see, the Word also says, and y'all probably get tired of hearing me say this, if God be for us, who can be against us? And you see, these people may not know God yet, but you do. You know Him. You can begin to fight for them. You can begin see they may just need the little small window open so somebody so they have an opportunity to turn to God. It may just be a little small window that they need, a little break in the fight. All they might need is for one of them devils to say ah, ah, huh and then turn around and they're gone. That may seem silly to you, but I'm telling y'all today. They're under attack. They need somebody to step up with a shield and take the punches for them for a while. Give them that opportunity so they can turn to God. Wouldn't you want somebody to pray for you? Wouldn't you want somebody to... See, knowing what you know now. I'm going to tell you, they're in the dark. They don't even know what they need yet. That makes it kind of tough. They don't know what they need. They don't know it's God that can change their life. But you do. Knowing what you know now, when you were in their situation, wouldn't you have wanted somebody to pray for you? You probably had somebody praying for you. That's probably the only way you had an opportunity to come to God is because somebody prayed for you. Somebody went to war for you. Don't you know that's why they call them prayer warriors? Because they fight in prayer. They pray in the Spirit and begin to see that spiritual warfare is going on. And I told you all not too long ago, the fight is there whether you want to acknowledge it or not. So let's go to war for them this week. Let's start praying that God will begin to move, that the doors will start to open up. And I promise y'all we're going to see a harvest reap that we just won't imagine. God's going to do wonderful things.